All right, so um, as Phil kind of laid out, we're going to be continuing on with discipleship this morning. Uh, Pete uh, spoke excellently last week on discipleship and summed it up quite well by saying that in some shape or form, everyone is being discipled by something, um, whether it's by the people around you, the influences of the world, or whether it's by Jesus and his teaching. And to carry on this theme, I have the joy this morning of speaking on discipleship regarding money, which I realize is probably something that will be difficult to hear for us as, um, as Western uh, influenced people who hold money and possessions quite tightly. Um, and it's often a, a cultural taboo to speak about money or you know, to ask what someone earns or to ask how much they have in the bank account and be like a hugely confrontational thing to do. But actually, because it is something that we hold really close and that was something we're really guarded about, it makes it even more important for us to cover because it's something where we can be easily locked up and we can be um, held captive by our money and our possessions. So um, something we're going to cover this morning. So if you've got a Bible with you, if you want to turn to Matthew 19, 16 to 22, I'm going to get my lovely wife to come up and read for us. I'll also have it on the screen if you don't have a Bible, so that's right. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. I'm just going to pray before we continue because I am aware this is quite a a difficult subject. Father, we just pray um, you just come and touch our hearts right now. Come and speak to us. I pray that you would keep us open to hear what you would say and that you would protect us against getting offended, um, but that you'd, yeah, you'd say what you need to say to us this morning, Lord, and, and help us to move on in freedom in this area, Lord. Amen. All right, so a man comes to Jesus asking what good thing he must do to have eternal life. Jesus responds to the man by saying that if he wants to enter life, he should obey the commandments. The man inquires, which commandments of the 613 commandments of the Torah are you referring to? Jesus replies, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, testimony, honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. Now the man knows there's more to just laws and legalism as he's already kept all these commandments since he was a boy. So he asks Jesus, what else do I lack? And Jesus tells him, if he wants to be perfect, he should go sell all his possessions and give to the poor. And then he will have treasure in heaven. Then he should follow Jesus. So the first point, there's a choice. So Jesus offers us a choice, as he always does. So there's two very different alternatives that Jesus offers to the man. Firstly, if you want to enter life, obey the commandments. If you want to be perfect, Go sell all your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. 
So the word rendered here as perfect means complete in Greek. So it's the same word that Paul uses in Ephesians 4 when he's talking about reaching spiritual maturity and the fullness of Christ. And this is what, as believers, we're aiming for. We're looking to reach the fullness of what God would have for us in our walk with him. So Jesus gives this man a choice and essentially asks him, what is it you're after? Are you after the eternal life or are you after the fullness of what I would have for you? Do you want a legalistic obedience to the Torah or do you want a relationship with me? So that's where it all starts. It all starts with the choice. And this is the same question that Jesus would ask of us. What is it you want? Do you just want to follow laws? Do you just want to follow rules? Or do you want a, um, a relationship with me built on love and peace and joy? Then how are we to understand what Jesus asked the man to do? It's probably the kicker there. Is this a command Jesus made to a certain individual at a point in history and therefore not something we need to consider? Is Jesus merely using a metaphor to illustrate a point? Or is this a literal command of Jesus that we need to take equally as seriously as the Great Commission? Let's take a look at how this was understood by the early church and how they responded to this message. It's Acts 2, 44-45. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Acts 4, 32-37. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own. But they shared everything they had. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So I think it's pretty clear from these passages that the early church understood this command quite literally, or at least a lot more literally than we would like to do so. They sold possessions, they brought money to the apostles, or they shared their possessions with the community of believers around them so that nobody lacked anything. Does this then mean that we also need to sell everything we have and give our money away like this too? That's a big question, I guess. I think the answer is actually maybe. Um, I think the important thing is that you're listening to what God would tell you to do because discipleship isn't based upon legalism or laws or rules, but it's upon relationship. It's all upon what God would say to you. Like Pete said last week, discipleship is attachment to a person. And for us, that person is the person of Jesus Christ. So what I believe that God wants when he's saying this, and what I believe Jesus is is saying to us, is actually that he wants us to fully surrender all of our wealth, all of our possessions, 
over to him. That he wants us to give him control of all that we have. And what this means is to stop being independent and autonomous and keeping a tight grasp on everything we have and kind of holding it back from God, but actually giving him control of what we do with what we have. Inviting God in and asking him, what should we do with what we have? Should we give to this? Should we give to that? Do we want to bless someone with this? Or, or actually, is my current position of doing what I'm doing, is that what I should just continue to do? And it may be that in surrendering all that you have to God, maybe nothing in your life would change. Maybe it, God would tell you to do exactly what you're currently doing. But equally, as we've seen in the story, he might tell you to sell everything. I think you need to not rule that out as a possibility because it is in the scriptures. But I think the key is to trust God with this and open your heart up to him and what he would say for you to do. Because he actually he knows your heart. He knows your circumstances. And ultimately, he actually knows what's best for you as well. And he'll direct you on what that should be with your current circumstances. And that, yeah, that, that can be a huge challenge um, for us in our culture because we do hold things very tightly. Um, <laughs> when I was in uh, Africa, I, I found the culture very challenging in many ways to do with the way that they viewed possessions. Uh, a quite um, trivial example, but I think it illustrates the point very well, is if I purchase a bag of chips and there's a group of us sitting around together, if I open the bag of chips, not only would I be expected to share that with everyone around, but equally it would no longer be my bag of chips, it would be our bag of chips. And that's a, a very... It's, a, it's something that doesn't hold much value to me, like a bag of chips, it's going you know, to cost you like $2 or something, but... I was giving up what was mine so it became ours and that was actually quite a challenge because from where we come from it's, it's mine, you know, you can borrow my chips or you can have some of my chips but to me to then be giving that up so it was ours instead was actually quite, quite challenging. But I guess it's important to remember that when it comes to discipleship we're often asked by God to act in a way that's very different to the culture around us because often the culture around us um, doesn't reflect the values of God. And I think in this instance that is one of those. And unfortunately, a lot of people are unwilling to pay that price. There is a cost to follow Jesus and it is a high, is a high one. Salvation is a free gift, but discipleship will cost you everything. You have to be willing to lay it all down for him. The man in the story knew there was more to life and more to God than just legalism. And we can see this from his questioning of Jesus. But actually when Jesus gave him the answer that he was looking for of finding completeness, his money got in the way of him finding what he was looking for. And he couldn't receive it, and he went away sad. Why would God ask us to give these things up? Well, I think the reason's actually further on in the chapter. 
and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will hear eternal life. I think the important thing to remember is actually God is a good father and he knows that giving up things is difficult. I don't think he is... I don't think he's unaware that asking someone to sell everything they have and give the money away is an easy thing to do. Um, yeah, he, he knows it's difficult for us, but equally, he wants to give us good things. And often, the things that we have and the things that we hold on to become a barrier for us receiving the more that God wants to give us. Think about Jack's prophetic song this morning talking about that we've seen a trickle, but we want to see a river, we want to see a flood. If the deepest desire of our hearts was to have a big house, a flash car, and lots of money, if that was the deepest desire of our hearts, what would get us to long after that? What would get us to run after that, to pursue that in prayer, to really go for it and see God change this nation and this city? And often the things that we want are material as opposed to spiritual things. Unfortunately, that's the, the culture that we live in. Jesus says this in Luke 12, 15. He says, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So God wants us to give control of our money and our possessions over to him so that he can direct us in what we should do with the things we have for our own good. So that he can give us much, much more in return. Like it said in that passage before. I think this illustrates it quite well. You know, we, we hold on to these things because they're valuable to us, and they are but God would have something so much better, so much more fulfilling, so much richer, deeper, and just overall satisfying for us if we would be able to lay it down for him and let him give us something better in return. And like I was saying before, God knows these things are difficult to do. God knows discipleship is tough because it does require you to sacrifice everything. But equally, he knows that the things he's giving us are so much greater in return. That's why he doesn't want you to miss out. And you might ask, what is it that we get in return? Well, we get fellowship with God, leading to spiritual maturity in the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's what it's all about. That's what we're aiming for as believers. That's what we want to attain. We want to be like Christ in, in, in every way, in, in every thought, in every action, and everything we do just reflects who Christ is. That's what we want to be. That's what we want to do with our lives. And this is the, this is the kind of thing where well, God will never force you into doing this. He won't, 
He won't coerce you. He won't push you into this. It's ultimately a choice that you have to make for yourself. It all comes back to where it started, that Jesus gives this man a choice. He says, do you want eternal life, or do you want completeness? So it is up to you, and you're completely within your rights to hold on to your things, but know that in doing so, you might be foregoing what God would really have for you, which will be a hundred times, a thousand times, a million times better than what you would be holding on to anyway. I think as well it's important to keep in mind that in light of eternity, having a nice house or having a good car or having heaps of money in the bank it doesn't really count for a whole lot because we'll probably live for 80 to 100 years here and then that's it. All those things disappear. But the things we do for God will carry on forever. You know, we're going to be with Jesus forever. And I'd rather invest in that than invest in 80, 80 years here, which will be gone in the blink of an eye. So I guess don't forget the bigger picture here. We want to be heavenly minded. We don't want to get too lost in and things that really don't count for anything in the long run. It's all about Christ. It's all about laying down for Him. Why don't we stand? Just finish that. I just feel that God wants to bring some freedom today. I feel that this is one of those topics where people can very easily get bound up by money or they can get trapped in possessions or being materialistic. But I just feel that God wants to bring some, some freedom today. I just got a couple of things that when I was preparing this message that I felt God was um, telling me to share. I just felt first group of people that God would want to um, bring freedom for would be people that have been hurt in the past regarding money, particularly if it's been by the church. Um, and then that's left you protective and guarded around the things that you have. I feel that God really wants to release those chains from you today. Actually, that might require forgiving some people as well. You might be still holding on to some unforgiveness. Um, secondly, I felt... Um, when I mentioned giving control of money and possessions over to God, maybe there'd be some people that really felt worried and afraid, even just at the thought of doing that, that, you know, you just would be thinking, how am I going to make my ends meet? How am I going to meet my bills? Am I going to pay the mortgage? And I just felt that God would want to bring freedom to you as well today, that He wants you to know that He's a good Father and that you can trust Him to provide for you. And the last one, probably the most difficult one, is I felt when I was preparing this, God say that there are people here who are living in poverty despite having many things. And I felt like God was saying it is a mindset of poverty and a mindset that you're never going to have enough or you're, you're, just, you're just living in poverty despite being surrounded by plenty of things and that God wanted to release you from that as well. I can't really put it into words very well, but you'll probably know in your spirit if that relates to you. Um, and I just think it's important to say as well, this is something that's ultimately between you and God, but it is really helpful to have people in your life 
people that you can talk to these things about, people that you can get to pray with you and, and help you make the right decisions to do with your finances and your, your money and the things that you have. So maybe the, the response for some people this morning might just be to chat to someone they know well, they trust, and can just really kind of tease these things out together with. So I'd highly recommend doing that and don't let yourself be isolated and give yourself an opportunity to be um, attacked by the devil in that regard. Definitely do this in community, despite it being something that's ultimately between you and God. So we're just going to respond with a song and then um, maybe if any of those situations relate to you, you can come to the front. We'd love to pray with you. Or if there's someone you came with that you'd like to pray with, do that as well. Just be, yeah, just be sensitive to what God would be saying to you and um, 